0: The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. Really nice to be with everybody this evening, and very grateful that we can show up together in this way, it's really a great boon for all of us I think that we can have the space and time to get to know our mind. <laughs> I often mention in the uh, introduction class that I teach on Tuesday nights a couple times a year that the uh, most amazing thing is we have this thing we call the mind or the heart and just how un-inquisitive we've been. You know, we've been just too busy to take some time to get to know the mind. Even though clearly it's the most relevant thing about being a human being and living skillfully, but it just doesn't seem like there's time or the right time to use the heart and mind to get to know the heart and mind. And that's really what we're doing together. And as you all know, in this particular course we're using this particular frame. And that's really what these maps or these teachings from the Buddha are. He gives us a teaching through language, so it's a concept. And we use that concept like, hey, everyone, get interested in Feeling tone, right? And so then we have this frame, we have that idea, oh, there's something called Feeling tone, And we have all the ideas that are about that, all the instructions. And then that we use those ideas to create a frame which we then helps illuminate our experience helps to see feel know what's always been here but we haven't had a way to get interested in it and the um, you know the teachings really help us direct our attention this balanced non-judging curious attention to this thing we call feeling tone. And we say um, that feeling tone arises because of contact, and what do we know about contact? It's happening all the time, I mean, amazingly quickly, because it's coming in through the six sense doors that I talked about last week briefly, right? The five physical senses, the body-mind is sensitive in these five ways, right? Oops, just let me mute somebody. Um, through touch and through sight and hearing and smell and taste and we're also sensitive to mental activity and the sensitivity of the heart is constantly impinged upon by these six things thanks Barbara, maybe I'll move this down so we have contact And then, right with contact, we say that what arises in conjunction with contact is the mind, you know, this part of the mind, the cognizing part of the mind, it will recognize the experience. And that recognition or that perception is going to be based on the past. So when I see a sight, like a school bus on the street, that momentary that moment of seeing that's the contact and then immediately there's recognition that's a bus and that moment where the mind names it or recognizes it recognizes it as a bus that is based on all the past experiences i've had with similarly looking objects right and then right with that perception that recognition You know, like if I had a traumatic experience with a bus when I was a kid, then the unpleasantness will probably arise. Or if I have really sweet memories with buses, then it will be a pleasant. Or maybe it's neutral, not obviously pleasant or unpleasant. But that all happens together very quickly, right? So don't imagine that we're somehow going to separate out the contact from the perception, from the feeling tone. And as I mentioned in the guided sit, sometimes, like if it was a stronger experience, we're already in the reaction. And then, but we can kind of trace back and sense, oh yeah, that's what the mind saw. That was the contact, that just shape, color, whatever. That was the recognition that was the feeling tone and the idea is you know to learn how to see things just as they are so when we get this breakdown this is one of the teachings of five aggregates where the buddha is basically helping us understand the mind by breaking it into these four things perception or recognition feeling tone. Mental formation is all of that reactivity if we're not so wise in the moment, like if we've had trauma with school buses to turn away or to run away or whatever we might do to curse at it. All of that intentionality that comes up when we have sense contact, that's mental formations. And consciousness is what illuminates it all. So these are just Four things that happened in our experience, the sort of different facets of what we call the mind or we call the knowing mind. Perception, feeling tone, mental formations, that's a kind of a catch-all category, and consciousness. And so when we get this teaching that there is something called feeling tone, Well you see it 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 really supports interest or curiosity as we're looking at a moment of sense contact. And then we see that there's a choice, like how we relate, how the mind is relating to feeling tone. Is feeling tone triggering the kind of usual suspects of greed, hatred, and delusion? Right? So Pleasant experience triggers greed. Unpleasant experience triggers hatred or aversion. And neutral experience triggers um, ignorance or ignoring. Uh, Somebody sent in a question about this uh, today. I'll just read the question. I was reading some of the articles you sent out, and I'm surprised to read that delusion is the word... Used to describe neutral experience. Well, it's it's the word delusion is the word used to describe how an untrained mind relates to neutral experience, right? Because the untrained mind, when we're not when our practice doesn't have momentum, which is a lot of the time during the day, we are the mind remains unaware. It ignores. It's ignorant of neutral experience, like right now. You know, like if we if we are invited to be more mindful with our eyes open, the ears hearing, the body feeling, we can begin to sense how amazingly rich this moment is, just the visual experience alone. But you know, like now for a lot of us, except for the sound of my voice, The auditory experience might be pretty neutral, but we can be interested in that. Like The sensitive heart is being touched by all kinds of sounds, and the sensitive eyes are being touched by all kinds of sights, and the sensitive skin, all kinds of touches, even smells, although pretty neutral maybe for most of us, tastes maybe relatively neutral for most most of the tastes and then the mental activity. Some of you know that, um, well let me just continue reading this before I forget. Um, For all my years coming to Camground, I never made that connection, this person writes. I've always thought delusion was the stories we tell ourselves when we can't accept or see the facts to explain something that's happening to us in order to avoid reality. Can you please shed some light on how this word is connected to neutral experience? The one thing I wonder is if it's about being zoned out or not connecting to the present moment. Yeah, I think that's the point there, leading us to say there's nothing going on here, when in fact there's always something going on, Yeah, and and neutrality There's a lot for us to learn about neutrality because when there's interest in neutrality, you know, we often use something neutral as a meditation object like breathing in, breathing out. It's relatively speaking a neutral experience or feeling the whole body sitting. Maybe not later when the body starts to ache, but often, you know, in the beginning, it's a relatively neutral experience being aware of the body sitting. And when we are aware with interest, then we see the possibility of equanimity and balance. Because greed and aversion aren't getting triggered and we've trained ourselves not to ignore, to be ignorant of neutrality, but to be interested in it, even vividly interested in it and continuously interested in it, like we do with the mindfulness of breathing, then we really see that how natural equanimity and balance can be because we're really vividly aware of something neutral so the affective tone of the awareness is equ- uh, equanimous it's balanced because there's neither greed nor aversion being triggered and we learn something of oh maybe this is the way this way of being Balance this way of non-aversion and non-greed. So there's all kinds of things we learn by getting to know a neutral experience. But the big obstacle, as this person is pointing to, is delusion or ignorance. Because there's... uh, And I'll read the the second arrow sutta that I sent in one of the links I sent out where the Buddha really talks about how it is that this ignorance or this delusion around neutral experience comes to be. Maybe I'll just go to that right now so that we make sure to cover it. So I sent out um, the sutta translated by Tanisaro Bhikkhu, a well-known teacher and translator, uh, a Western Buddhist monk who's the abbot of a monastery outside of uh, San Diego in California. Sometimes it's translated as the second arrow or the second dart. It's one of the more famous discourses, and it's all about um, how we use our understanding of Vedana, feeling tone, to liberate the heart. So I'm going to read a slightly different translation than the one I sent out. Practitioners, ordinary people experience pleasant vedana, pleasant feeling, painful vedana, neutral vedana. Well-instructed students also experience pleasant, painful, and neutral feeling tone. So what's the difference? What's the distinction? What distinguishing factor is there between well-instructed Students of the Buddha, you know, students, practitioners with some insight, and ordinary people. <laughs> this is a not not an uncommon setup for these teachings. Like, what do you get when you do your practice well? And what happens if you don't do your practice well? Right. And so. Uh, <clears throat> The, the students, the monks that are there, say the Buddha asked them, like, what's the distinction? And the monks say, we don't want to answer, we want you to answer your question. <laughs> so the Buddha, out of compassion, decided he would answer the question. So he says to them, when touched with a painful feeling tone, ordinary people then also experience sorrow, grief, lamentation. They beat their chests and they become distraught. Right, so that's the second arrow. Right. So first they have a painful, let's say, physical sensation, and then they hate. Right. They they don't like it, so that because of the unpleasantness, they immediately go into aversion, and aversion is a painful emotional state. So that's the second arrow. just as if a person were shot with an arrow and right afterward they were shot with another one so that they would feel the pain of two arrows. In the same way, when touched with painful vedana, painful feeling tone, ordinary people sorrow, grieve, lament, beat their chest and become distraught. So they feel two pains, physical and mental. So that's what the Buddha means by an ordinary or sometimes that it's translated as a worldly person, somebody who hasn't yet trained their mind, hasn't yet developed wisdom. And we're that person a lot of the time where we experience pain and we react to the unpleasantness of that pain in ways that add more pain. Anybody done that today? Right? We do that a lot, where we get tight around the unpleasantness we run into and we react and we add more pain to our experience. This happens regularly, whether the initial arrow arrow is physical pain or emotional pain, whatever it might be, or disturbing sound. You know, how many times have we been in a room with an irritating sound and we got all whipped up, frustrated? And who's to say whether the pain of the frustration wasn't greater than the unpleasantness of the sound a lot of times the unpleasantness of our reaction is many times more unpleasant than the initial unpleasant experience so the Buddha goes on as they are touched by painful feeling tone they become resistant we become resistant now this should be familiar to all of us Then and they who resist painful feeling tone, an underlying tendency, right, becomes the habit. An underlying tendency of resistance against painful feeling tone comes to underline underlie their mind. It's our habit to be averse, right? That's what he's saying. Touched by painful Vedana, they yearn for sensual pleasure. Why? Why do we want something pleasant when we have a lot of pain? The Buddha says, because it's the only way we know how to uh, escape those two arrows of the pain and the second arrow of not liking the pain and getting tight about having pain. The only way we know to get some escape, some freedom, is to seek out something pleasant. So he says, because that ordinary person does not know any escape from painful feeling tone aside from central pleasure, then in those who seek central pleasure, an underlying tendency to lust, to greed for pleasant feeling tone comes to underline their mind. So the reason we have this skewed uh, tendency to get greedy around what's pleasant is we've been using pleasantness to give us some space from all the unpleasantness. And because of that, we've developed a neurotic relationship to pleasant. Have you noticed? Like when our day's not going well, what do we want? Chocolate? Caffeine? Something funny on the you know on the internet or whatever? Gossip with a friend. Right? So we go, we and we get overly dependent because we want that piece of chocolate to save us from the unpleasantness that we're experiencing in our life. We don't know a better way. And it doesn't end there. So the Buddha is really setting up in this discourse how we get neurotic about feeling tone. We don't know what to do with the pain, so we resist it that resistance becomes an underlying habit. It's the second error. Now we have more pain because we have the difficulty in life and then we have the resistance to the difficulty in life and we're feeling overwhelmed, we're looking for an out. We crave something pleasant. And so then we have this skewed neurotic relationship to pleasant, right, which is stressful. And because of that obsession with something pleasant, to modify the pain we're feeling we skew our relationship to, new, to neutrality that's what he says next in this discourse we start to ignore things that are neutral because we're desperate for pleasant things to modify to give us some space from the unpleasantness that we're feeling because we're resisting unpleasantness there's an ordinary uh, unpleasant experience And then there's our neurotic resistance. Even though the unpleasantness is here, somehow it seems to make sense to get tight and to not like it, which just adds to the pain. And that's what he calls, the Buddha calls, an ordinary human being. Someone who has an underlying tendency to resist pain, an underlying tendency to seek out pleasure, to take care of the pain, and an underlying tendency to ignore what's neutral because if I attended to, if I was intimate with what's neutral, I'd have to stop my incessant neurotic search for pleasantness to modify the pain. And so then he ends this by saying, um, when they experience pleasant, painful or neutral feeling tone, they feel it as one fettered by it, you know, weighed down by it, burdened by it. Such a one, practitioners, is called an ordinary person who is fettered by birth, by old age, by death, by sorrow, lamentation, grief, pain, despair. They are fettered. This I declare. And so this is the oppressiveness of ordinary life because we haven't learn what to do with feeling tone and so we have these habits we keep following these habits and when our habits don't work we try harder with the same basic habit same approach okay so seeking out that sense pleasure didn't really modify my pain well let me look in the fridge that didn't work let me look online Now, well-instructed practitioners, right? So now he's talking about not the ordinary worldly folks, but the people who have done their practice. When touched, when these wise folks are touched with a painful Vedana, painful feeling tone, they do not sorrow, grieve, or lament. They don't beat their chests. They don't become distraught. So they feel one pain, right? Whatever that initial pain was, whether it was physical, emotional. But they don't have the pain of the mental reactivity. Just as if a person was shot with an arrow, and right afterward, they were not to shoot another one, right? Because why get tight? If something, if we bang our head on a kitchen cabinet, and it really hurts, you know, what's useful to do in that moment? Get really tight or get really angry at ourselves for being so stupid? Does that help? But we don't know what to do with the pain in our forehead having banged the head. But what can we do that we forget to do? We can be intimate with that unpleasant, maybe even extremely unpleasant feeling tone. Especially in the first few seconds, you know, when you stub your toe, when you bang your head, when you cut your hand, you know, initially the feeling tone for the first second or two can be very unpleasant. And then what happens? It's not so unpleasant. But we don't want that momentary exposure to unpleasantness. So what do we do? We, In one way or another, we get tight. We resist. It's a deep habit to resist painful sensation, unpleasantness, isn't it? We think it seems rational. We don't think about it. But just the force of habit is to get tight, to shoot the second arrow. And it doesn't make anything doesn't take away from the initial painful experience and then we still want to protect ourselves we want to do something so we seek out something pleasant and reinforce that ignorance around pleasantness which is it's going to save me isn't that true we think pleasant experience like it's that promise that's never kept if only I get that perfect massage or if only I have that sweet treat that I really like or if only I get to spend time with the person I want to spend time with. It's really nice like as we're looking at unpleasant, pleasant and neutral these weeks to kind of look at that, your relationship to pleasantness as a savior. And all the little and big ways that we do that, all of us do that, right? And you're going to, even when real deep, let's say, your practice progresses and you are you just feel like you're wiser than you used to be 10 years ago, you'll still feel that inclination. And there's no reason um, to say, oh honey, you don't get any pleasant experience. You can give yourself a treat, you can... Put a sweater on when you're cold. You can do nice things that are pleasant, because it it creates a really good place to study, like how what pleasantness is. It isn't a savior, you know. When we eat chocolate, it doesn't save us. It's pleasant, like if you assuming you like it, it's pleasant, and then very quickly it's not much of anything. How long does the pleasantness last? It's pretty ephemeral and it's really good. So instead of thinking, oh, I I can't use any pleasantness, no, use it, but just study it as a mindfulness object. Okay, what is it? Here's the inclination, you know, to do this as a way to, you know, you've had a busy, stressful day, you get home and we sort of, I don't know if you're like me, but we line up some pleasant things. Okay, I get to listen to the news, that's pleasant mostly, you know, I get to make lunch i really like that that's you know i get to lie down take my nap i get you know to hang out with the cat say hello to the cat so we kind of line these things up and it's almost like a deal with the devil like okay life is stressful but i'm going to balance it out with these pleasant things and when they stop working then i'll look for other pleasant things maybe i'll go shopping get excited about that but it's all that deal with the devil being pushed around by feeling tone is stressful. So the Buddha says, just as if a person was shot with an arrow and right afterward word, they were not to shoot another one so that they would feel the pain of only one arrow. right? So that means we're willing to be exposed to the pleasantness, unpleasantness and neutrality that come our way. We're not afraid of it. Having been touched by painful feeling tone, they do not resist it. Hence, in them, these are the wise ones now, in them no underlying tendency of resistance against painful Vedana comes to underline their mind. Under the impact of painful Vedana, they do not yearn for sensual happiness, right? So we're, we're feeling, you know, the symptoms of a flu, unpleasant. But we know how to be with the unpleasantness. And because we have this strategy of just being intimate with the unpleasantness and seeing it for what it is, something that's ephemeral, it's real, but it's changing. It's not definitively me, this pain. It's a like the winds or the weather that showed up. It's like this now, and at some point it will be like something else, maybe pleasant, maybe neutral. So we have this strategy of being with it, so then we, the Buddha says, we're not developing a skewed relationship uh, for sensual happiness. So then my relationship to the pleasures of life is in balance, Because I'm not expecting the pleasure in life to save me from pain. Because I know how to be with pain. So then I have a more honest, healthy, balanced relationship to pleasure. I'm not ignoring pleasure and I'm not avoiding it. And when pleasure is around, I happily receive it. And what do I know? This is pleasant. It's really pleasant. It's really nice. It's like this now. But I'm not... I'm not relating to it as if it's going to be here to save me. It's just a pleasant experience being known. And because I have this balanced relationship with pleasure and pain, I'm not ignoring the neutral. And so we have a much more full experience in life. Because, you know, as I'm sure many of you are discovering, a lot of life is neutral. This is another question that came in really appreciate the questions you're always welcome to send them in and you're also welcome to bring them to the weekly practice check-in so win Key and i my spouse and the co-founder of common we do it at 4:30 on sunday afternoons a really generally small group uh guided sid and then just a, a beautiful discussion and then stacy mcclendon and i do it on tuesday at 12 noon so those are both good times um to bring your questions, or you can email them in, and then if I can, I'll use them in the class. So before we break into small groups tonight, let me just address this other question that came in. And I really appreciate this person reflecting in their writing just what they've been learning. It's really beautiful to read. So this person wrote, in the beginning, when I tried to categorize my physical sensations, I almost felt like I needed to be psychic to see how those sensations were making me feel besides the sensations itself. Because most of the time my mind was quite neutral toward the sensations. So it was making me search for a specific feeling that I was supposed to be feeling within myself. So I found that hard to do. And a lot of the times, like when we're in that place where we're being attentive, there might be already a lot of stability of awareness and wisdom there And you probably have noticed that when there's a lot of stability of awareness and wisdom, experience goes towards neutrality, doesn't it? Because the way the mind is relating is wholesome. So that way of relating to pain, the way of relating dominates the experience. Because there's always two things that make up an experience there's the thing we're seeing, or the sensation we're feeling, or the sound we're hearing, or the thought we're thinking, and then there's the way the mind is relating to that experience. And together, that makes the experience. So if the mind is relating with a lot of wholesomeness, a lot of clarity, a lot of patience, a lot of acceptance, a lot of curiosity, a lot of balance, even if that mind is knowing painful sensation in the body there probably won't be a lot of the painful feeling tone because there's also the pleasantness of relating skillfully, Right, the calm, the stability. Those are pleasant sensations but it's the pleasantness of the skillful way of relating or the skillful way of knowing. So this is a thing. Our experience in any moment is complex. There's so many different things coming and going, touching, and impinging on the sensitive heart. And then there's the presence or absence of wisdom or the presence or absence of kindness. And that all matters in terms of like what feeling tone will be present in any moment. Well, now just read a little bit more. Then after I read the resources that you shared, the articles, uh, sounded like sensations just itself needed to categorize if it is pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, for arrow. And seems like they all have a distinct flavor. For example, pain is unpleasant, which is very easy to notice and categorize as unpleasant, according to my own experience. The most of the sensations or sensory experiences seem neutral, as you mentioned before, and pleasant experience almost rarely happens unless I eat strawberry. <laughs> yeah, and then I kind of covered with this person. Went on to write, and it's and it's useful to notice the pleasant experiences or the pleasant uh, feeling tone that's there when there is the stability of present moment awareness that inner sense of calm that inner sense of interest the lightness of joy the calm of tranquility the stillness of concentration the balance of equanimity right so there's a lot of pleasantness that arises when wisdom you know what we call wise awareness when the practice is in balance and has some momentum and we want to acknowledge that. So, for those of you who can stay for the small group, um, or if you can't for whatever reason, you're it's really late where you are, um, then try to find a dharma Franda. Talk about feeling tone and what you're learning, and what happens when you look for feeling tone, like this person just shared. Um, let me just think of other questions here that you might seem relevant when you're meeting in your groups of three or four um, how do you how do feelings arise like really explore that contact recognition feeling tone how do you see feeling tone showing up in your experience do you have any control over it like noticing the talk about the impersonal nature of feeling tone when you have negative or I'm sorry unpleasant feeling tone that's not personal. you didn't it's not a personal failure that there's a lot of pain being known because it's a, the painfulness or the unpleasantness rather, it's arising because of how the mind has been conditioned in the past. There's really nothing we can do. How have you learned to have more freedom around feeling tone? That would be great to share.